Hey, welcome to Faith Marketplace, where we equip individuals, entrepreneurs, small business owners with resources plus community to make a kingdom impact to glorify our mighty God while gaining inspiration from marketplace leaders. Hey, everybody, good afternoon, and we're back here again uh, with Faith Marketplace, and today we have a really interesting guest. I think you're going to find that uh, I've never had a guest like this before, and it's really exciting. I, I'd like to introduce you to Tim Wenzel. Uh, he's the Associate Managing Director of Enterprise Level of Kroll uh, and also kind, uh, Kroll and Kindness Games, which is a whole other thing that uh, came up during uh, COVID, and I, I'm just excited as heck to have Tim. Uh, Tim, welcome, buddy. <laughs> hey, how you doing? It's been a long time. It, yeah, it's, it's great. I, uh, you know, when when you and I first met and we got together and we started talking about these different things, and I thought, wow, what a fascinating and a fascinating career you've had. Uh, why don't we just share that a little bit with the, with the audience so they get the context of where you've come from and where you're at right now. Sure. I'll give you my, uh, my three minute story. If there that makes go. sense. Yeah, sure. Well, in, uh, in second grade, I told my mom I was dropping out of school and, uh, <laughs> she laughed like you're laughing right now. I was serious, uh, but I did end up finishing high school, but not because she wanted me to, because the army recruiter told me I had to, if I wanted to join the army, which was like the pinnacle of every ambition I had. So I did that. I joined the army actually, uh, when I was still in high school, went to basic training between my junior and senior year. After I graduated, I became an army medic and uh, got into EMS uh, locally. I was in the guard. I was doing all that good stuff. And then in 2003, uh, the invasion of Iraq happened. We joined that and it was the funnest thing I'd ever done in my entire life. And I know there's there a lot of people that's like, that's a crazy thing to say, but Right. You know, we're all, we're all different. We're all a little weird. And uh, so that was awesome. And uh, we tried to come home after our year, but they said, no, there's a there's another place we need you to go. There's a, a unit that's had like some troubles. So we need to move them to a different spot. So we're going to send you to this cozy place called Abu Ghraib prison. And you're just going to oh. kind of take over for them. We didn't know they were going to court martial uh, proceedings, which is why they had to be relocated for uh torturing the prisoners. And so over the next three months that we stayed there, this kid from the cornfield of Illinois uh, was around people he had only ever seen on TV in his daily wow. job as wow. we did things. And that was really interesting and really scary. And I was like, I think I've probably made a poor life choice here or there uh, to end up in this type of situation. But we got out of that. We went home, uh, got married and uh, life was good, except the ambulance got boring. And, and so a buddy said, hey, you should get into executive protection because you have the medical background, you have the tactical background. And I didn't know anybody that did that. So I went and took a couple courses and I ended up back in 2007, back in Iraq as a security contractor for the next three years. Wow. Um, and that was really interesting. Met a lot of different people, did a lot of different things. Came home for my first Christmas in 2010 uh, and would not go back to Iraq. Instead, uh, I did some networking and I got a job working for the Saudi royal family out in the Washington, D.C. area doing executive protection, wow. which is really interesting. That was in 2011. Uh, that year, the Iranians tried to assassinate the Saudi ambassador to the U.S., 
who lived really close and we were protecting uh, the son of the king of Saudi Arabia at that time. So we were really close to that whole thing. Um, mm. And that became an interesting experience to be in the U.S. dealing with an international incident of the magnitude that I had dealt, dealt with overseas. Right. And, uh, you know, that's that's like a different level when you don't expect something this big in an environment. Uh, but then another buddy called me up and he said, hey, you need to move to D.C. I have the best job ever. I said, well, I'm actually already out here. And he said, well, we're teaching diplomats going to Iraq how to be safe, how to not do uh, stupid things and, and, and how to recognize when things can get dangerous and then how to survive uh, confrontations and, and basically why security is important for them. I was like, great. So in June of uh, 2012, I started teaching that. In September, Benghazi happened. And in the months following, Congress said, hey, there's seven guys that are attacking diplomats in training to teach them how to survive these things. So my team actually got grabbed by the Congressional ARB on Benghazi, the Accountability and Review Board. Uh, and they said, look, this is the white paper that we're going to be publishing um, for the public. And here are all the criteria for diplomatic training. Develop one course that meets at least 95% of these. And so we did that. And that actually put us on the news. We took reporters through this training. We were kind of part of the public relation rehab for Benghazi. Mm -hmm. And that was really interesting. And then another buddy called me and said, hey, have you ever thought about working at Facebook? And I said, nope. <laughs> what, what would I do at Facebook? <laughs> do, you, do you even know who I like? Do you even know what I do? And yeah, uh, <laughs> so that was 2013, and uh, they were developing executive protections programs for uh, for Mark Zuckerberg, and and the company was trying to figure out who they were post IPO and and what security meant there. And so I was brought in as a consultant uh, to build these programs around the executives there, and I built executive protection programs for so many executives. I built. Uh, security technology research and development programs. I built their anti-eavesdropping, anti-corporate espionage program. So if you're a nation state or a competitor trying to steal our uh, intellectual property or our information and you're not hacking through the firewall, uh, that came through my program globally. Um, and then I worked there for about 10 years, both as a contractor and an employee. Um, and then I was part of the layoffs last November. So I was able to take a vacation which was nice. Um, Finally. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, this past May, I started uh, at Kroll, uh, who is a global risk consultancy. They they specialize in finance and legal firms and things like that. But right. we do enterprise security risk management consulting for anyone who needs it, private families, any type of company. Uh, so, yeah. You and know, then somewhere, I, I along the, the, somewhere along the yeah. way, I started the kindness games which is yeah. another interesting thing. I'm proud to welcome Inbound Studio as a sponsor of Faith Marketplace. Marshall Mullet, the owner, has a mission to help businesses be more efficient and effective in getting results from their marketing technology. With their vast experience, Inbound Studio builds websites using inbound marketing methodology that provides a beautiful visitor experience that has them coming back for more. As a result, the company has evolved to be a premier provider of web technology services in the Midwest. I encourage you to check them out at www.inboundstudio.com. Did you grow up as a, a bouncing baby Christian boy? Yes. So actually, uh, my family was always a Christian family, mostly non-denominational. Uh, okay. And we had uh, devotions every morning as a family. 
Uh, so by the time That's I would good. leave high school, I had probably read the Bible like three times because we didn't reread until we had read the whole thing. Had you read the whole thing. So through these experiences, Tim, through all of this going on, how how was your faith in all of that? You know, because you were in some pretty dangerous things, obviously. Um, I would assume there were things that were happening that you were gray areas that you had to make some decisions on and that kind of stuff. So how much did your faith play in, in kind of keeping the line? You know, that's an interesting question <clears throat> because we're at different places in different parts of our life, right? Right. Yep. So uh, I would say I had a really good faith growing up. We were yep. always in church, um, got out of high school, started doing the National Guard thing, started working, you know, outside of my parents' house. And right. I was always a Christian, but not super serious about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's this this thing that happened. So I was actually um, over in Iraq and uh, we had interpreters. One of our interpreters was from Lebanon and he and I became really good friends. And so after our missions for the day, we would often sit down, hang out, decompress. Um, and a couple months into this, he asked me, um, Hey, I have grown up in Islam my entire life. I understand it completely. I've been immersed in it. And yet I'm unconvinced. Like I understand it, but I feel like there's more out there. So you're different. You don't act like everybody else. You don't talk like everybody else. And I understand that you're Christian. So if you can tell me, you know, all about Christianity tonight and make me a believer, like I'm ready. Wow. Wow. And the interesting thing was, I don't, I don't think I had a Bible with me like Mm -hmm. on that deployment to Iraq. Like it wasn't something I was thinking about. I wasn't reading the Bible. I had been raised this way. But you know what? You know, in Acts, it, it says that, you know, don't worry about what you're going to say. It'll be given to you right? Um, when it's time. I think the opposite was given to me. I had a complete blank. Um, I was wow. like, ah, you know, John 316 and, uh, you know, Romans 323 and Romans six something. And 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 then he was like, great. What does all that mean? And I, I couldn't right. put it together in a cohesive narrative. Like I couldn't really explain it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think part of that is because maybe I hadn't been pushed to do that. I right. just grown up in circles where everybody kind of understood and we could talk about these things. And if you talked about a Bible verse, then it would just lead to more conversation. The other thing is I, I, I honestly think like, I feel like the Holy spirit was saying you need to choose. Bingo. And, and so I walked away from that. Um, kind of changed because I was like, okay, so am I, or am I not? Will I, or will I not be? And I have to figure that out because I do believe that at the end, I'm going to have to have this conversation with God about this very instance. Right. And (laughs) and what was that? And, you know, I don't take the view that God is an angry, like ready to judge God, Um, but we are accountable for what we do and what we don't do. And and I think this was a type of grace to kind of pull me into a place to realize where I was and to force me to that decision point. So it made me more serious about who I am and the faith that I have now. 
To be honest, still to this day, I'm not super upfront with it. It's hard to find an appropriate time when you're around royalty mm-hmm. or diplomats or you know Fortune 50 board members or all of these contexts. However, there is a certain difference that people will often remark. So I've come to learn that that God has called me to be the calm within other people's storm. Okay. So when I walk into a room, everybody tends to feel better. I, I bring clarity. And when people look to me, even if there's a dangerous situation going on, mm-hmm. I've been there. It's okay. There's a way through. We can do this. Would you say that you have been gifted with walking it versus talking it? Yes. Okay. Because that, you know, it shows up in a lot of different ways. And to your point, um, you don't sit there and spout Bible verses to somebody that isn't really an understanding it or a believer. What would you have done differently, Tim, in that situation? Um, now that you have reflected back on it and everything like that, what would you have done differently? I would have been reading my Bible and attending <laughs> church service and you know, well, all these things, yeah. right? They're all available. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that, that was really the thing I had taken for granted my identity. Uh, okay. I almost became that, that Pharisee of like, yeah, it's, it's where I come from. Like, obviously um, mm-hmm. I am part of, you know, God's family and I don't really have to do anything or, or seek that relationship. Um yep. And, you know, that that's the thing. I wasn't seeking the relationship and I wasn't sharpening myself and I wasn't even thoughtful about how these biblical tenets that I believe should influence my life and how I deal with other people. Right. Since that time, since you got that grace given to you, how did that change things for you as far as any of these opportunities that might pop up? Did you have other occasions that you you thought, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to let this happen again? Yeah, so um, one of the one of the verses in the Bible that stands out to me is uh, Proverbs three twenty seven. Do not withhold good from those to whom it's due when it is within your power to do it. Right. You know, and and I actually look back on that situation as I was withholding good. Yep. Um, it was within my power, but I hadn't prepared myself to deliver that. Also, that Bible verse speaks to how we think about our power and ability and influence and the power that we hold over other people. Mm-hmm. If we have the good thing, we're able to do it. Why would you withhold that? Because power makes people haughty. It makes people cruel. Right. Um, and so that's always been important to me. How can I, no matter who I'm with, provide good. And and that's interesting because you can stand next to some of the most recognizable people in the world, which I have. Um, Mm -hmm. There's people that everybody talks about most days. um, And I've not, I've been around them. I've traveled with them. I've been in their homes. I've been responsible for parts of their lives. And and so there's a power dynamic there. They're the person and I'm the person they're looking to for advice. And, and so there is a seeking there. And, and so if I conduct myself in a way that brings calm, that brings joy, that brings the fruit of the spirit in situations, there should be no peace. There, there right. should be nothing of that matter. And maybe there isn't. And I'm the only one with it. 
and I've had people uh, like this interpreter, uh, like some of the people that I've worked for, like some people I've worked alongside say, what is different about you? There you like, go. There, there's something there weird. Um, yeah. and, and it's not, I, I can't put my hand on it, but being around you is a different experience. Right. And, and that's, mm-hmm. and that's what opens the door. And that doesn't even always lead to a conversation about Christianity. It right. sometimes leads to a philosophical conversation about how you interact with and view life, mm-hmm. um, which will lead down that path if it's pursued, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I think it was uh, St. George, one of them said, go out and spread the gospel, use words if necessary. Right. And uh, that, uh, and the other thing too, I, I think Tim, just even being in your presence too, there's, there, there's a, and you've, you've said it, you know, people, how can you keep calm and all that? That is an open door right there to yeah. say, well, because I'm a person of faith, you know, uh, I believe in these things and that's what keeps me calm. That's what keeps me sane. That's what, you know, I had the same situation happen to me last year when I was, uh, you know, um, situation with prostate cancer hmm. and people kept asking me, Bob, aren't you scared? What, you know, what, this, this is life changing. This is going, and I said, no, you know something, 